0: Greetings everybody out there in cyberspace or in your car, wherever you're listening. I'm Jonathan. I'm Jeremy. And we are the Evangelicals. And if you're missing the rockin' intro music this week, uh, you need to recognize this is the sabbatical version of the Evangelicals. We are actually in Paulding up near Jeremy's home today. And we are recording again with an iPhone.
1: An iPhone, and so I just came off my sabbatical Monday, and you got
0: three more weeks. Yeah, and so I am going to be. Th- I am still three weeks. Uh, both Jeremy and I uh, have been at our churches, you know, an extended period of time, and our both church boards have allowed us to take a break this summer uh, for several weeks. And so we are uh, just getting together to catch up. And we thought, you know, since we're together, we're just going to record a, a podcast. There have been some things that have happened in the world since we recorded last.
1: A few things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of things. Yeah. So, we're going to we're just going to address, a, you know, just a few things uh about politics and, you know, the state of the church. So, um hang on. This is just going to be it was just be kind of a, a fun short little uh, episode yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's let's talk a little bit about the 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 big thing over the last couple months in the, in evangelicalism is the overturning of Roe v. Wade in a sense, the Supreme Court decision, you know uh which just in a in a legal sense you know although it did reverse a a federal law it really turned it into a a situation where the states are responsible uh states now have jurisdiction over what they want to do with abortion and the the issue of of abortion and even even parsing out kind of what what abortion looks like and you know in some senses and so this is the situation in and evangelicalism, and I feel like a, a podcast called "The Evangelicals" ought to at least address you know this massive, massive thing. You know, I remember hearing as a child uh, when George W. Bush was the president, that uh, you know, maybe one day there would be such great revival in America that Roe versus Wade would be overturned, and uh, that people would just be uh, and there was this idea that, that that would be a part of a great revival. That would take over North America so here, we are. <laughs> here
1: I, we are I think though um I'm not sure that that was the reason that it happened though
0: Roe v Wade yeah yeah you're I, not you're not buying the you're not buying revival <laughs> in the streets necessarily you're not seeing it
1: I feel like like and, and listen don't hear what I'm not saying like I, I don't know that it was a great law you know and I think that I'm hoping and praying that it will reduce abortions for sure. You know, I think the verdict will still be out as to what that looks like. Because as you said, it didn't make abortions illegal. It just made it a state issue rather than a federal mandate or a federal law. Um So people can still travel. And, I, and I'm afraid is now states will either make it totally illegal or they may even push it further the other direction too. Like where... So I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all, all parses out, but I, I don't know that this was the re- response to a nationwide revival as to why this was overturned. And I feel like just some of the people I've talked to and listened to, um, feels it feels almost kind of empty because the state of our nation spiritually, maybe even in a more divided place than it was before, and maybe more... Even in the church, we may be even more divided than we, we ever have been. Um, and so this wasn't the response to God moving in our country. It was literally a law change is all that, that seemed to have happened on some level. Now, I, I understand that could be a huge generalization, and, and I totally understand that if you disagree with that. But, but it just reminds me, we were talking a little before, of when the civil rights movement was happening something that was a really big deal to the leaders and and especially to MLK was he knew that he had to win the heart of people if the situation of the African-American was going to change. And it couldn't just be a law, but the heart of people was what was going to actually cause them to look at them differently as a person, as equals. um, And no law was going to do that. And, 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 And so heart transformation was such a big deal to them. And that's why they were willing to peacefully protest because they wanted to expose the evils of what was happening in segregation and and all the things that were taking place and that that was going to ultimately win the heart of, of the white person and that their true freedom was only going to be when, once again, that heart transformation happened and how they viewed and how they interacted with and how they treated those people. And I feel like, what happened, I'm not saying it's a bad thing or that, that it wasn't something that, that will ultimately lead to good, but it feels like at the get-go that it was just a law that got overturned and that true heart transformation isn't something that, that led to that. Is that fair? Oh, I mean, it's very <laughs> fair. I think
0: that's a very astute observation. I love that connection with MLK and that he, he understood civil rights laws don't mean anything If whites are always going to hate blacks and he was right, right? That's, that's, that's exactly right. So, uh, I want to, I want to affirm that statement and, and just tell kind of a personal story. So leading up to the changing of the law, I've known several people that have been a part of this organization out of Columbus, Ohio, um, and other places where they, they go around the country and they go to, um, college campuses. And what they do is they show people aborted fetuses to just, to try to, to try to get them to feel and sense the horror of abortion and to have compassion for the babies. Okay. So this is, this is the point of the organization. And I watched one of the presentations once, and it was one of the most disturbing 10 minutes of my life. I, I, I felt terrible the whole time, like I could not handle it, you know, and and really it's not until recently that I've really kind of come around to to really, how should I say, put, putting my finger on what I, what was wrong with the presentation. What's, what's interesting is it's one, it, we ought to have compassion for unborn children. I mean, this is obvious yet the unborn child doesn't have any agency apart from the mother you know and and i i am not someone who would ever stand up and and say uh kind of this this idea um i don't know champion champion an exclusive idea of um my body my choice in the sense that you know i wouldn't anything that you do with your body to harm another person I don't think should be your choice, and so that's kind of that is kind of the ethical dilemma of Christianity in the "my body, my choice" thing. Because there's an element of it that's right. Yes, you should not be forced to do something terrible to your body. However, you know what's the question is: How are you using your body to harm others? And that's real. That's the great ethical debate in the in the church. Okay, so but but one of the things that I realized is. The, the point of this organization that I'm talking about was to their whole mission was to garner compassion for the aborted baby but did absolutely nothing to garner compassion for the mother hmm. who a vast majority of people that consider abortion are people that have no support and no love hmm. mothers that have support and love and a community very and they just they want to bring their child into the into the world. I want to give you an example. And this is gospel truth. This happened a couple of months ago. Kate and I were sitting together, my wife and I, and she receives a text from a from a young girl who we know is pregnant. And the girl says, "I don't want to keep the baby. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to keep the baby." Now, Kate and I you know, look at ourselves. You know, we, look at each, we look at each other. You know? <laughs> not, not, we don't like it. I had a mirror. No, yeah. Right? No, we look, no, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I struggle with English. We look at each other, and both of us think to ourselves this girl is not in the place to raise this child well. Mm. And it would be an overwhelming task for this girl to keep this child. Yet the Christian response is not, I hate abortion. You must keep the child. The Christian response is what Kate said to the girl. She said, I, I I want you to, I want you to, you know, I, I plead with you to consider keeping the child. And I want you to know that if you cannot care for the child, we will. That is a Christian response to abortion. Because abortion is not just about, I hate this word, but it's the word everyone uses. Fetuses. It's not about fetuses. It's not about it's not just about babies. Abortion is an issue that is about mothers. It's an issue that's about poverty. It's an issue that's about fatherlessness. Now there. I, also, Jeremy and I are not talking about right now about the ethical dilemma of situations when a pregnancy is threatening the life of of a mother. We're not going to talk about that today because that's just too complicated, and it's 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 and the and the idea that that could even be politicized is disgusting to me. Sure. Like that that should oh that that that's frustrating to me, Jeremy. The idea that, that if, it, if it is possible that a federal law. Can mandate every complicated situation of life and death for mothers and children. I think that's just ridiculous. And we should all, we should be at a place as a society where we can recognize no law can speak to every delicate situation of life and death in an operating room. I right. mean, that's just right. you know insane. But abortion is about is about a mother. And as a church. Maybe this is a beginning of a, of a of a revival because maybe we will all of a sudden recognize the uh the call of James that religion that God our Father accepts is pure and simple. It's is is this to look after orphans and widows. Hmm. These peep these children and these mothers in their distress. Yeah. You know, and maybe if we would just all of a sudden start turning our minds, well, abortion's not an option anymore. So we've got to start taking care of orphans and widows. Yeah, I mean, that might be the beginning. It, this could be the impetus of a revival. Listen, I've always wanted to see revival in my lifetime. I'm holding out for it. But I, unfortunately, have seen too many people so far talking about this issue and saying, well, good. And going back to watching their TV. Right. <laughs> you know? They think they've won. And
1: and to me, the I don't know that our job pre this getting overturned and post getting overturned is any different as the church. It, it, it's... Like, I didn't wake up and think, well, now I don't have to. It's like, no, now, maybe even more so than before, I need to take care of of these people. Yeah, And I think that, that that's where I feel like if this was born out of a revival that was happening and taking place, and then this law was overturned, we would also be having conversations like we did in our last podcast about guns and about immigrants and about Um, the death penalty and about all of these other pro-life things, because when the spirit moves, it opens up the understanding of who we are for and what we should be against. And, and, and so I feel like if this is the only thing that transpired, then it wasn't a true revival movement because when the spirit moves, it opens us up and and connects us to all of the life issues and all of the things happening and all of the things taking place. And because it was just a law that got overturned, that's where I would say I'm not sure this was about true transformation of hearts in our country as much as it was about something that um, they got enough judges on a court who agreed to do something. And I mean, that sounds very cynical and very... Um, negative. But to me, it was more of that understanding than it was a people who um, God is truly doing something in their hearts and lives. And because of it, this is what transpired. I I feel like the conversation would have been way bigger and way more robust than just this one issue if God were truly moving and transforming hearts. And, 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 And I don't I haven't heard that yet. I haven't yeah. heard the rise of the church saying, now what do we do to take care of? Now what is our response? Like, okay, we got this. This happened, but it's not over. It's just the beginning of what is our response in the midst of where we find ourselves. And I don't know that, that it's a whole lot different than it was before, I guess.
0: I think that I've shared this with you, but a revelation that I've, I feel like I've received or uh, that has been made clear to me in reading the gospels over the last year or two is I really do believe that Jesus came to change hearts, to soften and not just change them, but to soften hearts. And I think that if you were to read, go and read the gospels with this lens, I think you would see that that is a theme of Jesus's ministry. So the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask a legal question. Moses told us that we could divorce our wives. Hmm. What do you say? And Jesus says, Moses, that great holy lawgiver, he gave you that law. Why? Because your hearts were hard. Jesus implies that a law given by the ultimate lawgiver of the Old Testament was given not because God wanted it, but because religious people's hearts were hard. Hmm. That that verse messes with me, man. Yeah. Because I I wonder to myself, how is my heart hard? You know? And I really do I, I completely agree with what you said. If if Roe v. Wade being overturned does nothing, absolutely nothing to touch my heart in a in a way that I moved in compassion for Mothers that are far from God, who for them, abortion was an option previously, and now they do not know how they are going to raise these children that they're, you know, in some ways forced to bring into the world, which I'm not, I'm not endorsing in saying that I'm not endorsing abortion as a way out of motherhood. I'm just simply saying we live in a very secular age, right? We live in a secular age in which abortion has been an option for people to get out of unwanted pregnancy. We just all have to recognize that. That's that's the world that we've lived in. Well, if it really is the case that now we don't live in that world, how how is our heart moved in compassion? And that honestly, that is the evidence of your Christianity, folks. How is your heart moved in compassion? How is your heart saying, as Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. The, the, the text tells us that Jesus looked on the crowds with compassion because he saw that they were sheep without a shepherd. at every turn Jesus's heart was moved toward people that were doing the wrong thing that were making that were making bad destructive decisions because he had he just had an overwhelming sense of compassion for them you know and and yeah, just to your point i I think that the evidence of whether or not this is a part of revival is how the church comes together. And if the church unites the United States of America in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned, then that is evidence of that this is a part of a revival movement. If Roe v. Wade turns into, we have hardcore blue states and hardcore hardcore red states and nothing in between, and that the church in blue states looks blue and the church in red states looks red, this was not a part of revival. We have completely given ourselves to secularism, if that, is, if that becomes the case, and we ought to recognize it.
1: Yeah, and I think just be honest about it. Like I said, I feel like because the lack of the more robust understanding and more robust conversation about what does it mean to be for life, I feel like the world looks at the church with even um, more criticism, more disgust, more... Um, like you really don't care about what you say you care about, you know. Like it's almost the whole Nietzsche thing that that we are professing this one thing, and and if we can't have better conversations and and start to work together, maybe even with organizations that we don't agree with holistically, but they're working towards life and they're working with people that that we, for whatever reason, don't have inroads with. If if we can't start really putting forth effort to be for life in all areas and not just this one. Um, I I just think that that the road that we're going to be climbing is going to be a whole lot harder. And and that heart transformation that we say we're about holistically at the core of who we are is going to be harder and harder to come by because I just don't know that they're going to trust and I feel like that's been a big question is is can we trust, you know, when people say they're going to do one thing and, and these judges did a totally different thing than they said they were going to do in their, their hearings, their confirmation hearings. Um, I think it, it, it reeks of we can't trust what you're actually going to say. Yeah. That you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And so I feel like I feel like sometimes we we, we play the card. We got to do it by whatever means necessary. and But I feel like the means are important as well, that we can't do things with backwards deals and and, and we can't lie about what we're going to do, um, that we have to be truthful in all things. And and so I don't know that it's whatever means necessary as much as, as getting the law passed, yeah. as much as it is any means necessary to take care of these people that need to be taken care of and giving young ladies a reason to have that baby and a hope to have that baby and to know that they're not going to be alone. And, um, you know, you said, you know, your, your wife said, well, Mother Teresa said, like, I'll take it. Like, where are the Christians who are saying, all right, I'll step up. Like, don't, don't do it. I'll, I'll take that baby. And, um, and so I don't know, like, I just think it's, I'm just worried that we're going to be more polarized than we were before. And like you said, anytime there's a revival, there's a unity that happens and a a coming together. And and I pray for that. I hope for that. I just think that we for so long were unified around getting the law changed and not heart transformation. Yeah. And 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 I think we're reaping the benefits of that understanding. Or the, the effects, yeah. Because we so focused on getting presidents elected and getting judges on courts. And I'm not saying that's not important. Like, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I feel like we did it sometimes to the neglect of the way we're really going to win the country. Yeah. Is that heart transformation, Like, changing well, no, the heart of the
0: people. I completely agree with that. And the, and the problem with the conflation of politics and religion in America is that we as evangelical Christians we've created a really nasty situation and we ought to just just think about it and 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 you know recognize it Reagan and Bush gave us Clinton Clinton I mean we we it's just it's pendulum swings now you know it's generational stuff you know the the extremes on one end they get fed up and so we just throw it the other way so you know Clinton gives us Bush Bush gives us Obama. Obama gives us Trump. Trump gives us uh, wow. Biden. I mean, it's just it's just such a mess. I mean, the, my my concern. You know, I've heard a lot of uh, conservative evangelicals really thrilled about all of the appointments in the various courts that Trump did. I understand your excitement about that, as far as policy change, and you know, this 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 is one of the situations. I mean, you know, Roe v. Wade being overturned. My great fear. Is that after you know all of these elderly people are are dead that spend all of their money funding these judge appointments, what it's gonna be like in the next generation when a liberal does the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I'm not look I'm not looking forward to this way forward for the American justice system. It yeah. is it is a bad, bad path that we are on right now of the lobbying, of the I'm only going to appoint you if you're going to get my political agenda accomplished. I mean we are losing objectivity i mean, we ought to just recognize it you know and it's um i'm I'm someone who loves loves my loves my country in the sense that I actually do care about how things are going on in American politics. I I, um I have some good friends that are that are Mennonite and they're just they're much more they're much more passive and you know they're very kingdom of God oriented and so they're very it's like they're almost indifferent to American politics. They don't vote in this type of thing. And I'm not I'm not quite there. I I do think that the kingdom of God is much more worth living for than than the uh kingdom of you know america of the united states but i also i also recognize that in evangelical christianity we are a play like we're a group of people that are a player in the american political scene and we need to we need to not see see politics as our arena in which to do spiritual battle Mm. and I, i i it just makes me nervous jeremy does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it, you the whole back and forth um I don't know which scientist said it but every action has an equal but opposite reaction. Yeah. And I think so what what it pushes me to to dream about maybe and imagine is what if the thing people were reacting to was the love they saw in us from Jesus? Like what what is that reaction going to be? The equal, you know, maybe not opposite, but equal, like, like what is yes. that going to push people to if people are going to be reacting to something? And right now, are they reacting to, once again, what we have chosen to put all the eggs in the basket of a certain thing? What would it look like if, if Jesus were actually telling the truth when he said, they'll know you're my disciples not by the people you elect and not by the judges you appoint and not by the laws you get passed, but they're actually going to know you're my disciples by your love one for another. And, 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 and it would just be fun to dream and to think and to see and imagine what would the response be to that? Yeah. That would, would not be this back and forth, but would it be a response to the Jesus that we profess and, and, proclaim and say is the way, the truth, and the life. Um and and I just feel like we we are just this this pendulum back and forth in our country. And I feel like that's what um Jesus' life was was he said there's actually a different way. And that's what the church was in Acts. They called themselves the way. We're not going to do it the way that you're doing it. There's this different understanding about how we're going to live and function and and be amongst each other. Yeah. And and we don't care what it means for us politically. We don't care what it means for our lives. We believe so much in it that we're going to dedicate our lives to living this way. Yeah. And, um, and I hope and dream of, of a church, of a people who, who don't get so bogged down in all of the things happening around us, but get so excited about what Jesus is doing amongst us. And, and I think that that's a hard part, too, is I feel like God's kingdom is moving and building. You don't hear a whole lot about it because it's not on CNN and Fox News and, and all the other news channels. Right. Um, but it's happening in the streets and, and amongst those who don't have a lot and happening on, in other parts of the world way more than we even know or, I think, imagine and can realize. And so I think that, that rather than playing the pendulum game... What would happen if we said, "No, we're just going to live a different, a different ethic, a different love, a different understanding"? Um, would that win people's hearts? Would we then be able to have bigger conversations about life and 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 how we are to live? Um, and 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 I just hope and dream and pray that 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 we can have those conversations.
0: Amen.